I'm always getting asked, what should I do with my engagement ring? Well, I finally have the answer. Sell it with Worthy. I'm partnering with Worthy so you can turn your wedding jewelry into cash, fast and risk-free. Worthy is great because their competitive auctions ensure you get the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on by selling with Worthy. If you're ready to move on from your ring, visit worthy.com moms to get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. That's worthy.com moms when you're ready to move on. This week on Moms Moving On. All of a sudden I stopped and I realized what it was and it was that the the top was closed. And so it wasn't zipped, but it was closed. So I opened it up and in there, you know, I found a Victoria's Secret bag and in it there was lingerie and it was not in my size or my color. So, um, you know, I confronted him and, you know, he, he denied it at first and I pressed and pressed and pressed and... Um, finally, he was like, yeah, not for you. What did he deny? I'm sorry. No, you don't see a Victoria's (laughs) Secret bag. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back to another episode of Moms Moving On. And today we're taking a little turn and talking about something. um, I don't know that I ever thought I'd be saying these words on the podcast, but I'm here for it and I love it. We are talking to a woman who bought her husband's mistress lingerie. Stacey Freeman is a writer and journalist and the founder of Right on Track, a full service consultancy dedicated to providing high quality content and strategy to individuals and businesses. Her writing has appeared just about everywhere, but most importantly, her book, I Bought My Husband's Mistress Lingerie, is out in the world right now and it is killing it. Stacey Freeman, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Michelle. It's nice to finally meet you. I, As I was telling you offline, you know, I get a lot of requests to come on the podcast. And there was like the second I, I, before I even opened your email and I saw the title of the book, I was like, (laughs) oh my God, I have to, I have to learn more. Like, let's book this lady. Well, I don't even know how we unpack all of this. Where do we begin? Um, well, I can tell you a little bit about my story, um, which, you know, in my book, which is, you know, um, my memoir, uh, I, start at this, you know, kind of pivotal moment in my life. Um, My husband and I had been married for, you know, a lot of years. We had been together for about 24 years because we were high school sweethearts. I met him when I was 15 and he was 17. And he had, um, we were living in New Jersey, three kids. They were 11, 10, and six at the time. And about two years before, um, he had been asked to go to Hong Kong with his law firm. And um, I, we had lived there together, you know, uh, back a few years earlier. And I wasn't really interested in going to live there again. And so he decided, we decided together that he would sort of commute for the duration of, you know, however long he was going to be there, which was sort of open-ended, but, you know, we were hoping it wouldn't be. That's major long distance right there. Major long distance. And it's, it's 8,000 miles. And so 
um, yeah, so we kind of agreed to this and said, we'll be like military couples who, you know, one goes on leave and, you know, we'll just deal with it. And of course, you know, there's phones and, you know, no one's stuck out, you know, at sea. So, um, you know, we thought we could do this. And, you know, over the two years that this was going on, this commuting, my ex-husband would come back to the States every couple of months. And it just, the relationship started to devolve because of that. It put mm. a lot of stress. You know, I was resentful. I think he was resentful that I wasn't there. And the relationship just started to go south. You know, not, there was no blow up, but it was just, you could tell there was tension. Yeah, little and by little. The One of the times, you know, that he had come home, prior to that, I was supposed to meet him first in London for a long weekend. And um, then he was going to come home for a conference in New York. And I was already packed, ready to go to London. And then, you know, we would fly back to the U.S. together. He told me, like, literally hours before, I'm tired. Don't come. I'll just see you at home. And I was just like, I was mildly annoyed. And then, you know, you know how things go as the clock ticks, you start to get more angry. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that evening, you know, I had been all packed and my parents were coming to stay with the kids. I called him and he was in London and I'm like, you know, it was kind of obnoxious that you did this and canceling at the last minute. I was looking forward to it. And I was standing in the bathroom, just kind of talking on the phone in my house. And he's like, um, I'm done with our marriage. I've moved on. Oh and my God. Now he's in London and I'm there and I'm like, what? So, you know, I'm hearing these words and I'm thinking, okay, he's jet lagged. This doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. We'll talk when you come home. It just was out of left field. Like you can't be done. We have three kids, a house, a cat. Like mm -hmm. how could you be done and moved on, moved on with what? So, um, Tabled that for the night. He came home the next day or the day after. I don't even remember at this point, but came home and he still maintained that he was kind of done and he would see what would happen during the week. And it was just strange. Something wasn't right, you know, and we had gone to lunch and he just seemed off. And then he was going to the mall and, you know, he came back with nothing. It was just strange. And so he went to this conference while he was in New York and his suitcase was where it always was in our master bedroom. And, you know, I'd walk past it back and forth, back and forth. And I was always annoyed every time he came home that he never put it in the walk-in closet. Like these are the things that would, you know, happen. Right. The little things. So, but I walked the little things and I walked past it. But something wasn't quite right. And all of a sudden I stopped and I realized what it was. And it was that the, the top was closed. And so it wasn't zipped, but it was closed. So I opened it up and in there, you know, I found a Victoria's Secret bag and in it there was lingerie and it was not in my size or my color. So, um, you know, I confronted him and, you know, he, he denied it at first and I pressed and pressed and pressed. And um, finally he was like, yeah, not for you. He what did he deny? I'm sorry. No, you don't see a Victoria's <laughs> Secret bag. That's Chinese for men's clothing. Like what? Oh my God. A, he said it was for a client or something. Like it was ridiculous. So, you know, oh who buys that? <laughs> that is okay. All right. So this discovery happened. Because, yeah. This discovery happened. It wasn't funny at the time. And, you know, he admitted there was somebody else and, um, 
he was home for this week and he said he basically when he left at the end of the week he needed to see this through whatever this was but i had taken this lingerie and cut it up good for you yeah i just i would have been right there with a pair of scissors oh i was i went right into my bathroom pulled them out of a drawer and that was it and so i shredded it up and then i'm like okay now i'm stuck with it so i wrapped it back up in the tissue paper and put it back in a suitcase (laughs) so anyway the next day um i we were talking and i told him what i had done and he said to me and i think this was a turning point where i knew things were really bad he said i very calmly i'm only going to buy her another one and so Right. It was and very, very monotone, matter of fact. Um, you know, this was not we were not having a fight per se. And he was just very matter of fact about him. That's how he is. He's very stoic and emotionless when he said this. And I was like, wow. And that's when I said, I'll buy her another one. And I did. <laughs> so I went back to the mall and replaced it. So well, okay, good for you for doing that, but I want to know why you did it. Like, because I know from so my father cheated on my mom, and uh-huh. my mom was always way too nice to this woman. She, she became like the girlfriend after the marriage split up, and mm-hmm. I didn't understand it until I was an adult. But I want to hear from you. Why mm-hmm. was that your way to show him? Like, screw you, I'm too good for this. Like, you, he, she could have you, or you were I like, think, well, I did say she could have you, and that came not that much later there was a conversation between um the two of us and i said he's all yours and i just i think there was a rush of emotions and i think you know when i said it there were a few things going on i saw the writing on the wall for one thing i i i I know him and he just seemed very matter of fact and it was never how he had behaved in the past and he kept being insistent you know, I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I needed. I need to see this through. So, you know, I bought another one. I didn't. I didn't want to be this, you know, just out of control person because I really couldn't be. I had to, like, you know, I was talking to someone else. I had to really, after I found the lingerie, walk downstairs and make my kids lunches for school the next day. Oh my day. God, the hardest thing ever. Yeah. Right. I mean, there were kids walking around the house. Like, I had to get people, you know, ready for and bed. A cat. And, and a cat. cat and the cat and the cat's still here. So, um, actually it's a different cat. What am I saying? So, um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, so I just, I had to move forward. Like I couldn't just curl up in a ball, you know, and just freak out, even though, you know, that would come, those emotions would come. Um, I had to still function and I just was like, I, I can't be out of control. And I think in that moment, you know, that was symbolic of me not being in control. I didn't want to um, just just act like this, you know, out of control person. Right. And so I went to the mall and I got it. It was really very much an out of body experience buying it. And I describe that in in that chapter. I describe walking into the store and doing this, and then you know having to deal with this. But you know, it was the beginning of a transformation for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we were both kind of tinkering with, you know, how, how this was going to work, but I think that he wasn't really, um, as cognizant of how much this was affecting his leaving was going to affect 
us at home because I think he thought, well, I haven't been here essentially for, you know, two years. I'm going back and forth. What's the difference when I leave now? But there really was a difference. You know, there's a difference when you know um, that your husband's not coming back right in the same way and so i can't stand when when i hear women i overhear women all the time and they say things like oh my husband works so much it's like i'm divorced it is right. so not the same it thing is that is so one not of the, the things, same thing <laughs> so not the same so you know i've overheard that so many times you know sitting at a school function you know how you hear people chattering and if i hear it one more time i'm just going to like scream because it is just not the same thing right um so, or when they we, compare, like, you know, I feel like a single mom because my husband is an orthopedic oh, yeah. surgeon and he's working so much, right? Totally right. not the same thing, but thank you. Totally but I do. Um, but do you think like it was sort of easier for you to accept it because you spent so much time apart or just completely blew I you wasn't, to pieces? I wasn't very accepting at first. And I really spent the next few months trying to um, get him to come back. And at one point I got on my hands and knees and begged him to stay. I think it was during, yeah, I know. Well, I wrote that, um, I wrote about the experience of getting on my knees in for the Washington post, um, in an essay, you know, that is titled, um, I'm happy my husband married the other woman. And so I did get on my hands and knees and beg literally on my hands and knees and beg him to stay. And this is not, I, I don't think this is unique to just me. I think a lot of women find themselves, I mean, as a stay-at-home mom, and I think a lot of this is grounded in fear yeah. about what's going to happen next. You know, I had a law degree, but I hadn't worked in many years. I had never practiced law. I had no right. idea what was going to happen. Was I going to be told to move out of my house? How was I going to go back to work? And these were the things that were swirling around in my mind. Like, what was going to happen to the money coming in? Like, how was I going to, function. And I mean, that all remained stable. And he was, you know, very good about, you know, maintaining the status quo during that first year of, you know, separation. And so, you know, I know there are men who I've heard just awful stories. And I know you have too, of the lights getting turned off and, you know, no money, but you know, that wasn't my situation. You know, he, he remains level and, you know, so to his credit, I mean, this should be expected, but I should say also to his credit, you know, that there wasn't that level of upheaval, but the emotional side was just, um, treacherous for me. And, um, you know, again, like I had a function. I remember one day that, like days after he left, I had to go to a school concert for my second daughter, my middle child. And I walked in and all the parents were coming in in the middle of the day. You know, there were dads there. And I just remember everybody walking in and laughing and smiling. Of course, we all know that's not the case. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors and the problems that people have in their own lives. But, you know, to me walking in, I was just like having this out-of-body experience And I just, I I felt like the walls were closing in on me. And I remember I walked over to my daughter and I'm like, you know, mommy can't stay. Like, I just, I can't stay. And she's good for you for being able to honor that because I I always say, I felt terrible. I say to my clients, this, it's like the second. So if you've ever experienced loss in the sense of death, right, there's this feeling of 
life keeps on turning and this person is not there and this just feels really weird. And when you go through a divorce and this person is still alive, but is not there to support you anymore, it's almost the same feeling. And I remember it very clearly, like the day after, and I wrote about in my book, the day after my split, literally the day after I showed up at a birthday party with my two-year-old daughter, like nothing was wrong, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. Cause that was the age where like moms and dads both went to the birthday parties and exactly. And it is a very like humbling feeling. Well, I, I compare in my book a lot to losing someone, you know, that you love, you know, from death, because I lost my father when I was 13 years old. You know, he died mm-hmm. suddenly from a heart attack at 41. And so I was raised by a single mother. I was raised by a widow. She got remarried when I was 17. But there were those years in between um, when I was, you know, I, I made a lot of comparisons to a lot of parallels. But yeah. the feeling as a child of losing a parent was the same. So it, like when my father died, I would wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night. And you know, you have that split second moment when you have forgotten the horrible thing that has just mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And you wake up and then it's like over and over, it just hits you. Yeah. And so I, when my husband first left, I was having that same sensation. I would get up in the middle of the night and for a moment I would forget And then it would just hit me that this was happening. They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. Class is in session and it is time for you to master your divorce. I am Michelle Dempsey-Maltak, the creator of Moving On School, and I want to welcome you to Moving On 101, the one and only class you'll need in order to master the concepts of getting divorced and co-parenting your children so that you can truly move on. In this eight-week program, we'll meet week by week to help you move past each phase and first of the divorce and co-parenting process so that you can move on in an empowered way while making the best decisions for your children. Visit www.momsmovingon.com to apply for our next semester of Moving On School coming in January. I imagine the women listening to this, so many of them can relate to being in your situation in terms of infidelity, but what did you specifically do? I have so many questions that I want to get to, but what, what helped you move through this grief? Well, I have always been an organized person, so I needed to stay busy, not just with um, what I, you know, had at home, you know, which was taking care of my family, but Um, I needed like an agenda, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. so I started within a week and I don't know if this is good or bad, but um, I started to think about next steps. Like I said, I was 
I was trying to reconcile with him and get him to come back, but that didn't stop me from going and interviewing divorce lawyers. Right. And so I retained one pretty quickly, but I kind of held that in my back pocket. And so I wanted to see what happened and um, over the next few months. So he went back to see this through. Then he ended up coming home um, because his father died. And, you know, I was, this was kind of unraveling. And at some point in there, we, you know, not af- after, you know, the funeral, like he had come back another time where we, he was back, you know, so, so to speak, like permanently, we, we reconciled for about a week. And um, we were walking around, you know, acting very oddly. And my kids were looking at me like, why is dad back? And at the end of that week, that was around like April, this first happened in January, I'd say around April after this week, you know, we had a a disagreement and I looked at him and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. You know, I thought I could get past, you know, what has happened here. And then, you know, started looking and like, you know, looking at the marriage, you know, in its totality. And I'm like, I don't want this anymore. And I, picked up the phone, my cell phone and called my lawyer, like right while he was sitting there. And I'm like, send the letter, meaning the letter that, you know, we're done. Please go find a lawyer. And I think that surprised him, you know, in some regard, because I think he had said at some point, like, we should get a lawyer together at the same time, which seems silly to me. But um, at that, when I had made that decision, I, you know, I just started pressing him, get a lawyer, get a lawyer, get a lawyer. Like I was done. And he had a lawyer a few months later and um, it took like 11 months and we were done. Wow. So, so okay. And we, made, uh, we made a commitment not to, to fight during that getting divorced But you time. know what? Kudos to you because most men, when they get caught, they want to like have it be done and be easy and not fight. But, you know, women, like if that happened to me, it would be very difficult for me to put my emotions aside. You know what I mean? And that's when, you know, you see in the movies, like in First Wives Club, like take him for yeah. everything he has because he's with the the younger woman or whatever. Um, and kudos to you for taking the high road. That is something that is like at the core of all the work that we do here in the Moms Moving On world, right. because how much better is it for your kids? You know, like it's 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 we both a game changer. We both didn't want to, have this long as it was the divorces cost too much money in my opinion but it it, you know that was you know just it it shouldn't have even cost that much but you know we both had sat down at one point where we're like let's just get this done because it's just so stupid and um you know whether i could have done better or worse you know who knows but i just i wanted the whole process to be over I think he did too. And so it really only took that 11 months. But I remember standing in Walgreens during the divorce and I I would tell anyone who would listen what was happening in my life. It was like therapy for me. So I remember talking to these two women. I was standing there buying a gift card for my one of my children to go to a birthday party. And um, I just started, I don't know how I got to talking about what was happening. And one of the women said to me, you should start buying um, gift cards. And just charging it to him, you know, just over and over buy gift cards. So you're hoarding extra money. And it just seems so stupid. It seemed like a band-aid. It was terrible advice. And it just seemed like a band-aid on a broken leg. Like, what is this going to do? And, um, you know, first of all, it's wrong. You know, it's stealing. And second of all, um, you know, how is that 
it just seemed like it was so insignificant. It was just stupid. Right. And so I knew that that was the wrong behavior. And, um, it, but it's funny to see, you know, the advice that you get from other people and people do have their opinions and, um, you have to be careful where you're getting your advice from. And that's something I preach all the time because mm-hmm. not everybody's advice is going to be helpful and it's God, not necessarily no. coming from a good place. Um, mm-hmm. but I want to go back to the logistics of everything. So sure. He was, he went back to China after all this. Hong Kong. Yep. Hong Kong. And the woman was there. Yeah. She's from there. And so when did, like, how did you co-parent? Did he stay with her? Is he still with her? Like I, these are the things I need to know. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I talk about all this in the book, how their relationship evolved, how her relationship evolved, you know, or, you know, with my kids and like that dynamic, I shouldn't say relationship, but that dynamic evolved. He went back and, um, you know, he continued on with what he was doing and eventually, you know, he's with her today. So as far as co-parenting, like I said, I don't think he, he got the gravity of his necessity in the situation, you know, to talk to the kids as often as he was. And um, that it meant something to really, it was different because when we were married, I was like telling him everything that was going on with the kids and he didn't necessarily get on the phone with them every time, you know, every day because he was traveling and I was there and we were married and I would, we would talk throughout the day, believe it or not. And, um, you know, he had a, a handle on what was going on. So if he spoke to the kids, great, but it wasn't like this scheduled call, we were married. And so all of a sudden, you know, we had this situation going on and I said, you need to talk to the kids every day. Like at first he wasn't answering the calls, like, you know, and I I would say, you know, one of them's upset. Can you get on the phone? He'd be like, oh, you're making them upset. And I'm like, I'm not, you need to talk to them. They, they are going through this too. And I don't think he grasped that at first. And so, um, over time, you know, he started calling, but then it was interesting. My son was little and he was, um, around six, he turned six that March and, or seven, he turned seven. Um, so he was six when this started, turned seven. And my husband, my ex-husband would call the girls. They were a little older and he would talk to them. And then my son said to me, mom, how come dad doesn't ask to talk to me? And I wasn't really thinking about it. And I don't think he was either because he was little. And it it just it like, it hurt me so much. And so, you know, I said, you need to call him too and have a separate call with him. So that started this pattern of, um, you know, these calls, these FaceTimes every day. And they're separate calls. It's not like this group chat where they're all on the phone together. Each kid yeah. gets individual attention. And it became a routine because of the time difference. My ex-husband would generally and still does call from his office in the morning and talk to the kids. You know, they're older now. They're, they're you know, almost adults. And so, right. um, you know, their schedules, they're busy. But he he's on the phone with them, still does it. I hear him around the house on FaceTime. And it's so, it's it's just so important. Um, and, you know, I think that he, he was working through this too. And here's another point, um, which, you know, during a separation, you really have to be careful about, especially with small children. Um, we were arguing in front of our kids. 
this is very bad. And like I said, my son um, was little and he, my ex-husband said something to me to the effect of everything was bad since um, we came home from Hong Kong because we had lived there between 2003 to 2005. And my son was born in March of 2005. And we came back, you know, right after that. And we were fighting and my ex-husband had said, you know, to me in the house, we were arguing during the separation, everything went bad right after you came home from Hong Kong. And my son said, mommy, but that's when I was born. Oh, that's really sad. And so it was like, you know, that absolutely like broke my heart. And, you know, my, my husband at the time wasn't saying anything anywhere near to the effect of that, but that's how my son internalized it. So I immediately said to, you know, my husband at the time, this, you know, he said this and we need to address it. And he got on the phone with him and emphasized, you know, that, that has absolutely nothing to do with why we were fighting or not going to be together. But it just, it was at at that point, kids really internalize in their own way, what they're hearing around them. And it just, that was like heartbreaking for me for so long. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't even start to cry when I just told you that. So, um, it was just like this wake up call, like, oh my God, you know, they're listening to this and, um, you know, this can't be. So, wow. Well, you, you've really been through it and I have no doubt that you have been the rock for them through all of this. Um, wow. I, I can't wait to tear through this book for everybody listening. I'm going to link it. And I want to know, like, because there are many women who unfortunately, and men will experience Mm -hmm. infidelity. What is your one piece of advice to somebody who has that moment where they find the metaphorical Victoria's Secret bag? Uh, you know, that's a sign things aren't right in your relationship. You do not have to stay. Um, that is an, a personal decision. Some people try and work it out. I tried. I was not that person. Um, but there's there's no you know uh, right answer if you stay or you go. So let's put that out there first. But um, whatever happens, you have within yourself. You have the strength to get through it. Like mm-hmm. you really do. Like you find this strength inside yourself. And if you ever think that you can't, think of me on the floor begging someone who had cheated on me to stay and, you know, pick yourself up. And I did, I picked myself up. I raised my kids. My kids are awesome. Um, you know, he co-parented with me. They are, you know, part of him, you know, they wouldn't be who they are. If not for him, our relationship is good. We, you know, can speak about the kids. We can be in the same room. All thanks to you though, Stacey, this is all because of you. It is thanks to him as well, because, you know, he has to be there too. You know, he had to put his anger and hostility aside as well. So it's not just one person. It's two people for a co-parenting relationship. It is. And so if I was dealing with someone who was adamant that they would not speak to me, utter my name, you know, that you can only control your own behavior, but you can also lead the way. And so I would say that is one way to handle it is despite how somebody else is acting, and I'm not talking about my ex-husband here, but, you know, in just in general, despite how someone's acting, you can only control your own behavior. 
So but regardless yes, of what and this they're is where doing. I'm giving all the kudos to you though, because there is something to be said for how you started this separation. You could have been contentious and angry and hostile, which would also have changed how he behaved, right? The more angry you right. were going to be, well, I the more defensive things, he was going to be. And so But I started out angry. I started out hostile, and it doesn't get you anywhere. It, it's right. worse. It makes things so much worse. So when I was able to and I did it pretty quickly, when I was able to calm myself, I saw I saw the difference in in the communication. Like I saw it, it was just so much better all around for me, for him, for the kids. And you'll see in the book, things went very wrong. You know, there were, there were, you know, situations that were not handled as, you know, appropriately in my opinion. But again, you just have to keep moving forward. That's what we do. Moving, moving on. on. Mom's yes. moving on. That's right. And, you know, you live your life and you do get stronger when you do this. So, and you, you get better with practice. Well, I'm so excited for everybody to now know your story and also dive into your book, which I know they're going to want to do because there's so much to learn from you and from this whole experience. Your kids are very lucky to have you. In my opinion, you, you you really turned a shitty situation into a win for yourself. And, and that's, I mean, what's better than that? For everybody listening, can you let them know where they can get in touch with you, find the book? Sure. Um, my landing page for the book is stacyfreeman.com, S-T-A-C-E-Y-F-R-E-E-M-A-N.com. And, you know, the book's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, you know. All the places. You can buy it online. All the places you can buy it online. So. Love it. Well, congratulations. Thank and you. hope this year brings you nothing but the best. For everybody listening, we'll see you next time on Moms Moving On. Thanks for being here. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my moving on method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, certified divorce and co-parenting specialist, and I founded the moving on method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.